Howdy! This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Thursday, June 22nd of the year 2023, I wish you the happiest, the most special, the best National HVAC Tech Days. How about a good one to bring us back in? I've missed you. I hope that you've missed me as well. I've been doing some traveling the past couple of weeks that have kept me from bringing podcasts to you, but don't worry. In the words of Michael Scott, daddy's back. Daddy's here to take care of your boo-boo tummy. I was doing some traveling to Florida. Beautiful there, by the way. It's a dreary day already here in the Columbus, Ohio area. Florida was great. Had some travel for work, went to Seattle, went to a Mariners game, which was very fun. However, I would never return to that city if given the option. Fun fact. If you are living in Seattle right now or you're from Seattle and you love Seattle, I apologize. Just not my cup of tea. I'm back. I'm back. I've missed you. By the way, before we get into to the goods of talking Ohio State basketball, because there's no better place to be than talking Ohio State hoops. If you don't mind, if you haven't already, follow, subscribe on your podcast platform preference, listening preference of choice, depending on how many words I can fit in there. Hopefully that sounds okay. Subscribe, like, Even on Spotify, you can give me feedback. You can ask questions on there. If you don't mind rating the show with five stars, please do. Would help out a lot. And also make sure you find us on Twitter at TheShotPod. Got some exciting news in the works, I believe. Won't say anything yet. I'm just saying. Got some things in the works. Some irons in the fire, as they say. So I'm back, and we're going to talk Ohio State basketball what's on today's show you may be asking well i tweeted out yesterday a little plan for where we would go from here and guess what we're going to talk ohio state's non-conference slate it's just been announced a few days ago we're going to talk about everything that has to do with this non-conference schedule the days have been announced the teams have been finalized we don't have times yet but that's okay we've got plenty of time to figure that out then we'll talk 2024 and 2025 recruiting who's going to be the next commit in this 2024 class the Buckeyes list of targets grows in the class of 2025 and then to end it I'm going to talk about the five best games of our previous Ohio State basketball season five games that's it wasn't the best season so you may think oh well only five games that should be easy not many wins on the season well It wasn't all that easy, but I will say is that five games is probably the perfect cutoff. And I'll tell you why later on in the show. So let's dive in, shall we? I'm going to dust myself off here. I'm going to try to break out the kinks and and get the rust off of myself and and hope that this goes well. Let's talk Ohio State's non-conference schedule. We knew some teams that were going to be on it. We knew Texas A&M. We knew Alabama. We knew the CBS Sports Classic. We knew West Virginia. We knew a lot of those and and some other mid-majors as well. But the Buckeyes will open with a doozy 
against drumroll please if you haven't seen it already you're gonna be shocked to hear that they're opening up against oakland buckeyes taking on oakland this is not oakland from california this is oakland from michigan that'll be a doozy that'll be a fun one sure do i have any comments on the game against oakland at this time no it's the season opener hope you'll be there game number two is where this gets fun the buckeyes have a heavy sec presence in their non-conference schedule they will be taking on texas a&m in game two of the season of course texas a&m finished near the top of the sec last season they were a bit of a surprise team one could say in the sec last season and made a run in the ncaa tournament for a little bit in terms of what they're bringing back this is why this game is going to be very, very good, in my opinion, or a great test for Ohio State. Texas A&M is 14th in adjusted efficiency by strength of schedule coming into this season, which essentially means their adjusted efficiency or the efficiency rankings that they've got already, you adjust that by who they played, and the better competition that you play, the higher weighted that efficiency will be. The worse com- competition you play, the worse that efficiency will be. They played great competition, so they're 14th in the nation in that regard. Obviously, they're losing Dexter Dennis, but they're going to return Wade Taylor, who was an all-SEC honorable mention, played guard for Texas A&M, and he can play on both ends of the court. He had a game last year with six steals. That's a season high for him, so look for him to make his mark in this game. It'll be a nice tense test for Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, and company. And that one. So that's the big one. Then the Buckeyes will get a couple games here where they'll chill out a little bit. They'll have Merrimack. Merrimack? I don't know how to pronounce that. I'll be, I'll be honest. I have not accustomed myself to watching games with Merrimack. But it'll be a non-conference game in Columbus. Cool. Then the Emerald Coast Classic. Which you would think is played in the Emerald Coast. Well, the first game is played in Columbus. The Buckeyes, at least that's how the the schedule is listed online. The Buckeyes planning to play Western Michigan to kick off the Emerald Coast Classic. That one in Columbus. Some action. But wait, there's more. There's more action coming at you after this Emerald Coast Classic. After Western Michigan, not a game that I'll spend any time on at all. Sorry. They'll get five days of rest. They'll head down to Florida. And they get Alabama. Obviously, Nate Oates and Alabama in the news a lot off the court. Last season, regardless, still a very, very strong team on the court. Of course, they lose Brandon Miller, top freshman in the NCAA. He'll be the number two pick in the draft, which is really number one in this draft, right? There's kind of two number one picks if you look at the fact that you've got one of the best prospects since maybe LeBron or better than LeBron getting the number one pick. If you're Brandon Miller and you're the number two pick, you probably don't feel too bad about being number two. So they lose Brandon Miller, but they return Mark Sears, Javon Quinterly. Both of those players entered the NBA draft process, decided to withdraw their names from the NBA draft. And then Alabama has three top 100 or close to top 100 commits joining as well so this team will be plenty stacked it will be a great test for ohio state you look at the expectations for the buckeyes 
I'm I'm very very bullish on Ohio State. I think that by February they should be positioned to be playing for a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. This should be a really really solid team. They're obviously returning a lot. They'll have to replace Bryce Sensenbaugh, Sean McNeil, Justice Suing. But in terms of the guys who got the bulk of the minutes down the stretch, most of them were freshmen. They've got a great freshman class coming in as well. So I'll talk more about why I'm bullish on Ohio State as the summer goes along. But I've got a good feeling about this team. This test against Alabama is going to be the real deal. This is probably going to be the toughest game on their non-conference schedule and maybe the toughest game all year. Now, after Alabama, they will take on either Oregon or Santa Clara to close the Emerald Coast Classic. That will be a game where if Ohio State wins, they'll take the winner of Oregon and Santa Clara to try to win the Emerald Coast Classic. If Ohio State lose, they'll take on the loser for the third place game. Oregon, by the way, is top 25 in adjusted efficiency by strength of schedule. They've also got a stacked class coming in with two five-star players and another player inside the top 30 rated four stars. So Oregon, if they get the chance to play Oregon, which obviously we hope they do, that will give them either another quality win or a quality loss. One of the two, most likely Oregon will be good next season. And they've also got a nice transfer class coming in as well, by the way. So Oregon is a team you hope Ohio State will get the chance to face. If not, Santa Clara wouldn't be the worst win in the world. Then things cool off a little bit. They'll take on Central Michigan. They'll take on Miami. Who doesn't love some action? Hopefully these games are played on Wednesday night on ESPN2, just as Central Michigan and Miami play in college football. We'll see what happens there. I would love a game on ESPN2. ESPN Plus, remember that back in the day? When I was a when I was a kid growing up, we had ESPN Plus. We had ESPN ESPN2, ESPNU, and ESPN Plus, which I don't know what happened to that. Now it's a subscription service, which I do not pay for. If you're curious about where, where my money goes, it does not go toward that service. But ESPN Plus, man, back in the day, that was that was fun. Ohio State playing San Diego State in football. I feel like that was a game on ESPN Plus, or maybe it was on ABC. Anyways, ESPN Plus, I don't know how we got there, but they'll take on Central Michigan. They'll take on Miami. Love some action. Happy for that. Then, the pressure is ratcheted up again. They've got the CBS Sports Classic. Of course, they lost to North Carolina last season in overtime. It was a tough battle. This year, it sounds like they'll get either Kentucky or UCLA. I've seen some people say it's going to be UCLA. I've seen other people say it's going to be Kentucky. So, I don't know. But, both of those teams, obviously, generally stacked year to year. UCLA is going to lose... A fair amount. Kentucky loses one of the best players in the NCAA and Oscar Sheebway. So, either one of those games will be exciting. It's a blue blood. Both of those teams losing some production. I would project Kentucky probably to be a little bit better than UCLA, at least in terms of returning production from the previous year. But, either one of those games will be fun. We'll see which one it is. Then they'll take on New Orleans. That's all I have to say about that. And then they'll close their non-conference schedule with West Virginia in Cleveland on December 30th. A game I just might attend. So obviously, West Virginia is going through the gauntlet right now. They, they've got the Bob Huggins controversy. He has resigned from the school. 
disgraceful, sad ending for Bob Huggins after a truly incredible career. One of the biggest names in the sport. The way that he handled his players on the court, at least, you you think he's a good guy. You would think, at least. Bottom of the Big 12 last year as well was West Virginia, but that was a gauntlet. I think they, they finished around 500, around 16 and 16, and still were on the bubble the entire year because of just going through the Big 12. And West Virginia has a nice transfer class incoming. This will be a good stepping stone into Big 10 play for Ohio State. It'll be a nice neutral site game. I'm sure it'll be a sellout. I'm sure the the fans will be raucous there in Cleveland for that one. I would assume Buckeye fans would travel well for that, probably better than West Virginia for a couple reasons. First of all, Ohio State fans, Columbus, closer to Cleveland. At least I believe. I didn't do the math, but I would assume. Second, Ohio State fan base just generally bigger than the West Virginia fan base. So you'd think Buckeye fans would travel well for that one. That should be a fun one. Good matchup. Very evenly matched. All time are the Buckeyes and the Mountaineers. So that's a non-conference slate. Obviously the big games to be excited for. Texas A&M. Alabama. Oregon. If they play Oregon. And then the CBS Sports Classic with either Kentucky or UCLA. West Virginia too. Another power school. Not a mid-major. But not necessarily to the allure that Texas A&M and Alabama will have. So some heavy SEC presence here, also potentially Kentucky. So it should be fun. That's Ohio State's non-conference schedule. That's how it looks game by game. The dates have been announced, except for Miami. I think that's either like December 3rd or December 4th or something like that. So be advised. But other than that, we know all the teams. We know who they'll be playing. So that's exciting. Buckeye basketball is just a few months away. What's also a few months away? Some would say Ohio State's next 2024 commitment. There's been a lot of guys that they've offered, and yet, simply, no one's biting right now. Buckeyes have one player in their class of 2024 right now. That's Junie Mobley. Outside of that, the Buckeyes have been warm on a few players, but they've offered quite a few. Quite a few have already made their decisions. Obviously, Jesse McCulloch will stay in the conference at Michigan State. Tyler McKinley, probably issuing to go to Cincinnati all along. Both of those guys, relatively respected recruits. There's a couple players that I will all mention here. Jonathan Powell was a, a three-star, or sorry, a four-star top 100 player who committed to Xavier out of Centerville. Centerville obviously has a, an incredible Division One basketball program played against Devin Royal in the state championship a couple years ago so when it comes to this 2024 class there's a couple players that I'll mention you've got Aiden Cheryl he's a five-star center he took a visit to Columbus on June 9th he's also met with Michigan State UNLV Oklahoma Alabama Aiden Cheryl he's going to be wherever he goes he's going to be a a big-time player He's out of California, playing out of prep school right now, listed at 6'10", 215. He's got an offer from nearly 25 schools. 37th best player in the nation. I guess depending on where you go, he's a five-star or a four-star. Top five at his position. He's going to be a really solid pickup for whoever gets him. That's a guy who I would at least say 
be on the lookout. The Buckeyes need a center. And by the way, in terms of players who they've offered, at least in terms of the research I've done, every single other center that they have offered to this point is committed elsewhere. So you would assume that maybe the Buckeyes feel pretty good about landing Aiden Shirell. That's my guess. Could be wrong. Be on the lookout for that. Another player that I would mention here, Vijay Edgecombe. I've got nothing on him. I don't know anything about where he may go, but I like his game a lot. He's had a great spring slash summer, small forward, 6'5", 180, five-star. He's playing in New York, but he's playing in tournaments right now, and he was named the Adidas EuroCamp MVP as well, averaged like 18 points a game during that camp. So he's he's a big-time talent. I've got nothing on whether or not Ohio State is warm with him, but he's a guy to keep your eye on, I think. And then the guy who, if I had to put money on, which you can't, not that I've checked, but if I had to put money on Ohio State's next commit, it would be Amir Ali. And that's probably not a a stretch or, or not breaking news to you if you follow Ohio State basketball. He's a four-star recruit out of IMG Academy, which I believe is located in not Orlando it's in the the Bradenton area it's on the Gulf so Ali would be my best guess in terms of the next 2024 commit obviously I don't I I I mean the Buckeyes aren't Ohio State is not feeling antsy Chris Holtman isn't worried there's plenty of players out there but at this point only have one player committed right now to join Ohio State you just you have to wonder Who's going to be next? How many guys are they going to take? I think Amir Ali will be the next player that the Buckeyes latch on to. How about the class of 2025? Buckeyes have done a lot of work in the past couple weeks as well, reaching out to players. It's very, very, very early in this 2025 group. But some players have been taking visits to Ohio State in the past couple weeks. Jaden... Quintance, Quintance, sorry if I slander his last name, sorry if you know it better than me, not sure, took an official visit to Ohio State on June 15th, that's a player who, if you're Ohio State, you get excited about because of all the different things that he can do, so Quintance is a, he's probably top 30, we'll see where he goes, obviously recruiting rankings at this time for the class of 2025, they're going to change a lot. But he's out of North Carolina. He's a center. He's got good size, 6'9", 210. And again, top 30 at his position. He's pretty versatile. He's got some great length. He'd be a great guy for the Buckeyes to pick up. Outside of that, Buckeyes have also been busy with some other visits. Like Quintins, Trey McKinney, he received an offer earlier in, in this summer. And then Jaden Glover, four-star Shooting guard has been offered. I don't think the Buckeyes are much of a contender for him, for what it's worth. But the Buckeyes have reached out to him. We saw recently. There's a couple other players Ohio State has offered extremely early in the process. I'd be surprised to see a commitment. But in terms of who Ohio State could be warm on right now, it's really, really hard to say. I would look at Darren Peterson Because he's from the Ohio area, Buckeyes have 
a bit of a shot for him. However, he's a five-star. He's top five in the nation. Depending on ra- where rankings go, again, he, he may end up the number one recruit in the class. He may end up the number 20. You never know. He's gotten a lot of interest already. Another player who's ranked lower but has gotten a lot of interest is Jerry Easter. He's from Indiana. Top 40 right now, looks like. He's gotten almost 30 offers, which is some of the most in in all of college basketball in this class. So in terms of players that Ohio State is warm on, it's really, really hard to say right now. But the Buckeyes are out offering players. They've offered, what, I believe, I want to say 12-ish players to this point. Um, maybe 11. So they've even offered some guys like, like Darius Acuff Jr. He's from Cass Tech in Detroit. He doesn't even have a rating right now. So there are some players the Buckeyes are offering. It's super early on, but the Buckeyes are out there. They're getting their feet wet. They're reaching out to players and, and all those types of things. So I've got nothing on the class of 2025. I'm not going to act like I have any connections there for what it's worth, but they're getting busy. So all I would say on, on these players in the class of 25, watch some of their highlights. Again, I'm not going to tell you that watching a highlight tape is going to give you any kind of indication of how good a player can be because it's only the highlights. You don't see the 80% of the game where they are average. Not that not any of these players are average, but they're average composite self. And you also don't see the, the 20 or, or 10% where they just make a bad play, make a bonehead decision, turn the ball over airball a shot, whatever. You don't see any of that either. So take it for a grain of salt, take it with a grain of salt, but watch some of their highlights and have some fun. Familiarize yourself with some of these guys. Okay, let's talk top five games of the 2023 season. Now I sat down and and I looked at the schedule and I knew full well going into this, Buckeyes won what, 15 games last year? I'm not going to be all that stretched to to look through and, and comb through 27 games like I would have been back in the early 2010s, right? But they still had a couple nice wins. They had a couple of fun games. And I'm going to add some honorable mentions here at the end, and maybe some of those games are losses. Spoiler, they are. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for everything. There's a reason why you're here 22-ish minutes into the show listening to this this pod. So let's talk about it. Number five game. And I said that the cutoff at five was perfect. The cutoff is probably at four. This fifth game could probably go in the honorable mention category. If I had to score this game, it wouldn't be as high as the other top four, but I'm going to put it in here anyway. And I'm going to give you a second here. I'll pause. Not yet, but I will pause. Think about some of the games this season. What would you put in your top five? I'd love if you can, can tweet at me after after this show is, is over and, and you're through and you've heard my top five, what would your top five be? That's an interesting conversation to have. So number five for me, and I'll pause real quick. Again, keep thinking. I'm not going to pause for very long, but I'm going to give you the chance. Keep thinking about some games that you watched. What game should be in your top five? Well, here's my top five. All right, stop thinking and start listening. Number five. Game comes from the Maui Invitational. It was a win against Texas Tech. They won 80-73. to Now, look, Texas Tech finished 16-16. and They didn't make the NCAA tournament, but we didn't know that at the time. At the time, they were ranked 21st in the entire nation. And 
Outside of that, this cop capped a pretty solid run in Maui. They had a close loss to San Diego State, a team that made the Final Four, by the way, made a nice run. And also, San Diego State, not only did they end up being good, but it was close loss to them. They crushed Cincinnati the game after their loss to San Diego State in Maui. So they finish Maui at 2-1. and one. You're very, very pleased with that. And you get a solid win over Texas Tech, which, again, at the time they were ranked in the top 25. You thought this was going to be a pretty solid group. Regardless, they handled Texas Tech for most of that game. One by seven. It was a quality win. So you leave Maui. You leave the very beginning of the season. You leave November with, you know what? That was a pretty solid stretch. I'm pleased. So that Texas Tech win, it was just a good win. Justice Suing had a great game, obviously, which was cool for him a guy who's from Hawaii, that was awesome to see. It was just a nice game to watch. Ohio State won. It wasn't all that stressful, yada, yada, yada. That's top five for me. Number four, and this is where if I give that a score, a ranking of like seven out of ten, the rest of these are like eight and a half or higher. Fourth best game of Ohio State's do I even have any parameters for this? I don't. It's really, I just look back at the schedule and I see, hey, that game was really fun to watch. So it's it's more so the excitement factor and the satisfaction factor and also the result factor that Ohio State won. Number four, it's their Big Ten tournament win over Michigan State, 68-58. to 58. And you may be saying, Tim, how in the world do you have the last win of the season and win that advanced Ohio State to the Big Ten Tournament Championship. How is that fourth on your list? Well, not only is it subjective, first of all, there is no right or wrong. You're feel, you can feel free to make your own top five, and it can include none of these games, and neither of us are right or wrong. That's the fun part about sports. It's opinionated. Not only that, but... I have some other games here that were just more exciting than the Michigan State game because guess what? Ohio State led for most of this game. So the excitement factor, knowing that we're playing for a Big Ten title appearance, yeah, that's great. But the excitement factor wasn't there. Bruce Thornton, he dropped 21. He stayed hot in his breakout performance of the tournament. No one else had a better tournament than, than Bruce Thornton in terms of Going into the tournament, what the expectation was and what they produced, what we got from Bruce Thornton was better than anyone else in the tournament. Roddy Gale, he was perfect from deep. He added 15 points. That was a huge game from him. And also, Ohio State won this game without Bryce Sensenball. That was a big part of that game. Obviously, no Bryce Sensenball. I, I published even a video documenting right before the game why I didn't think it was horrible or the Buckeyes had no chance without Bryce Sensenball. Buckeyes were able to get the win. They won by 10, 68 to 58. Game number three for me. Oh boy. That win in mid, late, maybe early December. Where the Buckeyes, I think it was early December, knocked off Rutgers 67 to 66. This was the Tanner Holden game. He only took one shot. But the known Rutgers ruiner just decimated the program from there. Who would have thought that Tanner Holden's buzzer beater in December would be a springboard for Rutgers missing the NCAA tournament, knowing, and the Big Ten admitting, that Rutgers 
should have won that game. Look, I'm as unbiased as, as anyone out there, in my opinion. If you're the Big Ten, don't make a comment that you have a game in which the outcome was literally wrong. Either don't say anything or say, yeah, Rutgers should have won and then give Rutgers the win. I don't know how you can come out and, and for the integrity of the game and say, yeah, this team should have won, but they didn't. Anyways, I will digress. I'm not upset with the result. Tanner Holden made his only shot of the game, of course, at the buzzer. Should have been a blocking foul called. When I saw it live, I was like, hmm, I'm surprised there wasn't a whistle there. Whatever. The history books won't remember that. They just remember the winning part. They don't remember the weird part where, where Bruce Thornton probably should have had a foul called against, not against him, but on whatever the term is. You, you saw the play. And people forget, people forget that Zed Key in this game had 22 points and 14 rebounds. Not only did you have the theatrics of the of the buzzer beater, not only did you have the Zed Key game, 22 and 14, but you had the excitement throughout as it was kind of back and forth. The Buckeyes lost the second half lead. And if you're used to watching Ohio State basketball under Chris Holtman, when the Buckeyes have a lead by eight with eight minutes left, you feel a little nervous. You just wonder, is Ohio State going to lose this lead? Because it's happened before. Sorry. Maybe I'm scarred. Maybe I've been conditioned by Chris Holtman to think that uh, there's an eight-point lead with eight minutes left, seven-point lead with six minutes left. Can Ohio State keep it? But they did lose the lead. They come back. Tanner Holtman gets a, makes a shot at the buzzer, hits the three, and sends the shot in Steen Center into a frenzy. That was a fun one. That's number three for me. Two more. And I'll add some top honorable mentions as well. Number two, and I really battled for what it's worth. If I'm giving uh, the first game against uh, Texas Tech a, a, I don't know, an eight. Now we're up to both of these games like 9.5 or higher. So you've got the game. Number two is going to be the win against Illinois in the regular season, 72 to 60. Of course, you've got the poster of the season from the one, the only Bryce Sensenball. You've got a nine-game losing streak snapped. You've got four freshmen in the starting lineup. You've got Ohio State outscoring Illinois in the paint, 46-28. to And, of course, they sat down and defended all game as well. They only gave up 60 points. They gave up a 36% clip from the field of shots going in. And... Early on in that game, they wanna they went on a 17 to 4 run. Never looked back. Game was never out of hands. And Buckeye fans, remember what it feels like to win again. I think Ohio State was something like 11 in 17 when that game was played. It was bad. It was a brutal stretch for Ohio State. But that game was one that was just so fun, so exciting to watch because you're waiting, you're wondering. When is Ohio State going to lose this lead? And it never happened. And they, it was a 12-point win, but they dominated Illinois. So that's the number two game of the season for me. Number one, drumroll please. You should know it at this point if you've narrowed it down. It's the 73-69 to win against Iowa 
in the Big Ten tournament. Now, again, you may be wondering, how do you not have the Michigan State game at number one? If you feel passionately about it, first of all, that's fine. That's your opinion. Second of all, let me know that I'm wrong. You're well within your right to do that. We live in America. Free speech. So why is this Iowa game number one for me? Well, it was an incredible game. If you're not even a fan of Ohio State or Iowa, you're tuning into this game and you're like, wow, this is fun to watch. It was back and forth. Game that featured 18 lead changes. Bruce Thornton, he played 33 minutes for Ohio State. He led the team with 17 points. He led the team with six assists. And he had zero turnovers. This was also... Fun fact, not a fun fact, really. The final game of Bryce Sensabaugh's career, he would chalk up, chalk up 16 points. And Sean McNeil, shooters got to shoot. When you're Sean McNeil, you got to get your threes up. And he did. He hit three triples. Of course, this game ended with a crazy sequence. Ball gets deflected all over the place. I think Bruce Thornton comes up with it, deflects off an Iowa player, and Ohio State keeps the ball, and that leads to them winning. But that game, so back and forth. And you're watching an Ohio State team that has struggled all year. That when they get into tight games, they lose. They get this game against Iowa. They battle for 40 minutes and they live to fight another day. That game for sure was number one for me. If you think I'm wrong again, let me know. Honorable mentions. This is going to be weird, okay? Just, just hear me out on this. I've got a couple honorable mentions here. First of all, the win against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Tournament. We'll put that in there because it was nice to see this team advance. However, there were games we didn't even know. We didn't see. We can't see in the future. We didn't know that there would be games even better than that coming forward in the Big Ten Tournament. So that one should be in there. And then a couple losses here. The loss to Duke. In that game, I thought Ohio State was going to compete with anyone in the Big Ten. So that's why I have that game on my list. Also, the loss to Penn State late in the year. I think it was right before the win against Illinois. That was another game where you saw some life back in Ohio State. They started to play better. You finally felt like the Buckeyes were on the cusp of winning again. They had a win against number 21, Maryland, late in the year. That that was great as well. And then also the win over Maine, simply because that was a fun time for me. That was one of the games that I attended. I had a great time with my wife. We had a great time spending some time in the city of Columbus. So I'm throwing that in there. That's personal for me. I didn't even need to add it, but I, I did just because. Because I can and because it's my show and I can say what I want. So those are my top five games of Ohio State's 2022 season, along with a few honorable mentions. That includes some losses. That does not include either loss, actually any of the three losses to Purdue. Those were not fun especially the second one and maybe the first one the third one wasn't that bad for me for a guy like me okay we've got what 35 minutes of content in here today it's been a a very fun time getting to chat with you again if you listened all the way through i'm talking to you the person listening right now you are hearing my voice being spoken into your brain your brain is registering that i am talking to you yes you can you please shoot me a dm comment on the tweet where i link the the latest episode 
and just let me know you listen. That would be great. It'd be good to hear from you if I haven't chatted with you in a while. Please do that. That would be awesome. I do really mean that, and I truly appreciate all the support we've gotten along the way. Again, we may have some big news coming in regards to the pod coming up here within the next couple of days. I'll be looking forward to that. We'll see what happens. Keep your your ear to the ground on that. This has been the Views from the Shot podcast. I appreciate you listening. I'll shut up before you. Shut me off. Go Bucks.